Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Brutal Arctic air. Big storm coming in the middle of the country on Thursday and Friday. Keeping Tile 42 in place. Only until after Christmas. More migrants surging to the border. Completely broken. Through this omnibus spending bill. It's too important. We are anticipating big travel delays. I'm excited for a white Christmas at the airport. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Aren't you glad you live in eastern North Carolina? It is going to be rainy. It is going to be cold. But uh, we are not going to have the mess that much of the country is going to have. And uh, I'll tell you what. And also, if, if you're not traveling this holiday, be thankful for that. Uh, across the country, you know, it's cold across the country. And uh, one of my favorite places in Idaho, I was just kind of curious to see what tomorrow was going to be like. <laughs> Tomorrow night. Minus 10. Not windshield, just temperature, minus 21. Woo! <laughs> With a high of like minus 2 or something. Yeah, that is that is a little chilly. Have you seen the derailment? Get this video up. If you're watching online or watching Cable 7, look at this video. This happened in, uh, not him. <laughs> there it is. Uh, this happened in Tennessee. I think it was like a 120-foot concrete, 134-foot concrete truss bridge beam. Mm. The guy was towing it. You know, it was a, one of the, a, a, a long, long truck. He comes up on a stoplight, and the truss is sitting over top of a railroad track of a main line, and this big old Norfolk Southern freight train comes plowing through, and what a... I mean, the, there was a couple of guys that had minor injuries that were in the cab of the train. The truck driver was fine, but uh, he's looking for a new job today. <laughs> It is a mess, and the train derailed. Uh, I think all three engines came off, and a bunch of cars came off. It was a so major this, mess. Yeah, this area is a suburb of Chattanooga. I never heard of that place. College deal. Yeah, yeah. Probably been through there and didn't realize it. Oh, and anyway, it is a, a mess. Milk Toast Mitch, talking about a train wreck. <laughs> Uh, milk toast. Would you just go ahead and become a Democrat? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. In the spirit of people changing parties, yeah, I'll do. A, I'll do a, a trade. Yeah, for Christian Cinema for Mitch McConnell. Cause well, you went on two counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Milk toast, Mitch, also known as the Turtle. He is all about passing this omnibudget, $1.7 And listen, this is yesterday. Listen to what Milk Toast Mitch said was the highest priority for Republicans. Cut one. Making sure the Defense Department can deal <clears throat> with the major threats coming from Russia and China. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. You know, I, I guess he went and, and, you know, talked to Mitt Romney and Tom Tillis and Richard Burr and a few other rhinos to see what they were thinking. 
milk, milk toast mix. We, we, you know, we've got some exceptions in Washington that I think they truly, I think Greg Murphy's one of them. But I, I've about decided that most in Washington don't give a damn about what the American people need. Oh, I, 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 it's yeah. just. But in, in the U.S. Senate, for sure. Yeah, the, I mean, the there's Senate. a few in the House, but in the Senate, whew. I mean, there's there's Mike Lee, there's Ted Cruz, there's Rand Paul. But after you get through those, I mean, where do you go next? Well, Republicans, you know, if they want to make policy, they're going to have to get control. I mean, you can't make – you can't do a whole lot of policy if you don't have control of, you know, the, the House and the Senate. But, but I think, as you said, I don't think Mitch wants control. I don't think they want control because it really is hard to distinguish them between de- them yeah. and the Democrats, there most of the Republicans up there. And maybe they just uh, maybe they just like the status quo. They can keep going out, raising a bunch of money, saying, hey, we've got to get back control, we've got to get back control. But they don't do anything. So according to Mitch, the number one priority for Republicans is Ukraine. And we're trying to figure out how much money have we either promised – or already given to Ukraine, it's got to be somewhere close to a hundred billion dollars. It, it's very close because it it seems like it was fifty or sixty before. So, Mitch, it's it's not securing the U.S. border with Mexico. It's not stopping fentanyl, which how many thousands of people die a day from the fentanyl? It's not ending the tax and spend policies. Oh, quite contraire. <laughs> they cannot spend it fast enough. Uh, it's not inflation. It's not restarting America's energy. It is not rebuking the woke social justice reforms. No, it's none of that. The number one priority is Ukraine. Yeah, and the thing about it is, you know, they, they keep saying to fight Russia, to fight Russia. But when you look at the funding and what it's been funding, it's funding the government. It's funding a bunch of government workers, uh, failed pensions. Workers in the as much as the private sector that exists in in Ukraine, it's not just military aid. Well, it's, it's propping the country up. It's also propping up uh, the the military uh, manufacturers here in the United States. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Go look at their stocks and see how they're doing. Uh, there is uh, at, at least some pushback in the House. Um, Kevin McCarthy yesterday joined 13 Republicans who vowed to tank any priorities of the GOP senators who vote for the 4,100-page omnibus bill that was negotiated with uh, the new Republican majority. He says that. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if they actually follow through. Uh, I mean, I I appreciate the at, at least using your bully pulpit to say this now. Uh, Chip Roy, Matt Gates, Scott Perry, Andy Biggs, and nine other conservative members signed a letter yesterday promising to block any priorities of the Republican senators who rushed to support the uh, budget deal. I mean, why would you do that? I mean, we said this last week. Why would you, when you control the House, why would you rush to give Biden and Schumer exactly what they want? Makes no sense at all. Plus, you you know, you've ran on having some control and taking over the House, and the Republicans are there just bowing down, or a lot of them are. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Don't get it at all. The 13 conservatives said they opposed the bill because the legislation continues the status quo in Washington, D.C., which has gone on for decades and decades. 
quote, spending money that we do not have while the nation is $31 trillion in debt. It's, it, what's really sad about this is they're going to continue to spend until it does collapse. Mm -hmm. And the, the only way you're going to stop this, I mean, it, it's, it's going to look like that train wreck that happened in Tennessee. I mean, and it's going to be that quick. You're going to be sitting in your truck, and all of a sudden, bam, this train is going to, but the train is going to be the collapse of the United States currency. And unfortunately, if you talk to the likes of Obama and his ilk, that's what they want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they want. They want the whole system to come crashing down so they can have their hope and change fully integrated. Say, well, look. The capitalist like system, free enterprise, doesn't work. See, this proves it. People bow down when they're in need and when they're afraid. And yep. that's what people that are totalitarian-type government uh, people, which the Democrat Party now is, you know, they they always yell and project on Republicans, fascists, fascists, fascists. They are the epitome. They are the definition yep. of fascist thinking. Right, to answer your question, since... Through November, since the beginning of this thing, through November, the USAID had sent $68 billion to Ukraine. So this will put it over $100 yeah. billion. And, and in this new omnibus, there is like $45, $45 billion. Yeah. And by the way, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky scheduled to speak in Congress. He might be speaking as we speak. Yeah, I just pulled it up. That it says any moment now. I think they're injecting Biden with some drugs to get him, get him ready. <laughs> Wheeling him out. Oh, Zelensky's a little guy. You know, he's a short guy. Yeah, he's he's shorter than Biden. I don't think Biden's any. What Biden spots? I've I've seen Biden. I've been in a room close to Biden a few years ago. He's about my height. He's about okay. six foot. Okay. But Biden, I mean, uh, Biden Zelensky. I mean, he's like like short, like real short. Zelensky he's got a hot wife. Because I, I mean, we so we've given them, including the forty-five billion that th this omnibus budget has. And by the way, again, I don't think they've voted on it yet. Um, but he's saying it's not enough money. <laughs> so we've got we've got uh, what sixty eight and forty five, one hundred and thirteen billion dollars yeah. that we've either already given to him or pledged to him, and he's coming back and saying, "Thank you very much. It's not enough." Use one of my dad's sayings, whatever it means. He said, "Don't you know? Don't hit a gift horse in the mouth or something." He had you say something like that. I'd tell Zelensky, "Okay, if it's not enough, just leave. Yeah, just forget it. Just go back." Okay. Well, if that's yeah. If you don't like that check, give me the check back. Give it. Give it back to me. Okay. We'll just tear it up. We don't want you to be offended. And in this omnibus bill, the one point seven what trillion, I was looking through some of the things in it, and it's got hundreds of millions of dollars. To protect borders of foreign countries, and we ignore what's going on in Texas and Arizona, and any border states, yeah. New Mexico, any border states. It's yeah. and, unbelievable. And and since Biden's been in office, I think there's five million people that have come over to border illegally. Again, that's what they and want. And that, if, if they say it's five million, it's probably ten million, really. Uh, Representative Dan Bishop from North Carolina has taken issues with many parts of the bill. Along with the high price tag, Bishop pointed out to what is called a sinister portion of the bill that allots nearly $600 million to encourage family planning. So how much of that's going to go to Planned Parenthood in places where human population growth threatens animal biodiversity? In other words, anti-human ideology, he said, should have zero place in any federal program.
So what, what's the term when, uh, I mean, it was, and, and the, the term actually came out of, uh, was invented by a communist, but the idea is that you've got to have uh, zero population growth when your uh, your population is outpacing what you think is the food supply, which, you know, and, and it, that has not happened in a capitalistic country. It happens in socialist communist countries because people aren't productive. <clears throat> but when when free enterprise reigns, guess what? There's plenty to eat. I, you know, I don't do Twitter um, other than I follow Twitter. I follow it really for really for this show, for certain politicians. I've been following Dan Bishop as he posts things that's in this bill. He's a pretty sharp guy. Yeah, and it, it, it's just amazing. Uh, money for a Michelle Obama walking trail, like somewhere in Atlanta. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and they, she needs to get her fat well, and, ass on the trail. <laughs> I mean, really. But you put the and, and and you look at the price tags of these things. Yeah. A walking trail from Michelle Obama, and I, I don't. I, I'm I'm guessing at the price, but I would say it's going to be north of a million bucks for a walking trail. I think it was like three and a half million. There you go. Oh, and a new uh, federal building named after Nancy Pelosi, like million, tens of millions for that. Unbelievable. Hey, listen, we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about, including a story that came out today concerning, we talked about this on Monday, how Jim Jordan and uh, Jim Banks were going to come out with a uh, their own findings of the January 6th committee. Uh, there is some stories out today concerning the security that Nancy Pelosi didn't provide. They've now come across some emails and some text messages that uh, prove the point that the Republicans were right. She sat on her skinny little butt and did nothing. Was it purpose? Was it on purpose? I, well, you decide. We'll talk about that when we get back. Here I was, little Ralphie Parker, a certified adult. Christmas was all up to me now. You want a baby gun for your kid? What are you, nuts? There's a 14-day waiting period. Your son, Triple Dog, dared another child at school today. We do not tolerate bullying, Mr. Parker. All the Christmas stories throughout the season. And there we sat, gazing at a gender-neutral leg, wearing sensible shoes glowing in the window. Decode the day's news with Tom and Benny. On Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, get your Dakota rings out. Uh, you're going to put your... Uh, <laughs> so uh, today, December the 21st, is the shortest day of the year. Ah. So uh, get ready. Tomorrow's going to be a little bit more light than today was. So when's the cold coming in tomorrow? Is it tomorrow or Friday? Uh, actually, tomorrow is going to be the warmest day of the week. It's uh, thunderstorms, rain, 90% chance of rain tomorrow with a high of 64. The wind comes in on Friday. It will be in the low to mid-50s on Friday. And then Saturday, well, Friday night is going to get down in the teens. Mm. So uh, and just, by the way, I did this the other day for my, if you if you got a uh, irrigation system, you want to go ahead and... Uh, Turn that off and get the water out of your irrigation system. Open it up so it doesn't freeze over. And uh, probably for that matter, if you've got hoses out there, go ahead and... Yeah, take the hoses off, drain them. Uh, I'd recommend going to Lowe's, getting these little uh, styrofoam uh, covers. the lasers. Yeah. They put them on top of the... Put on the... That's not a bad idea. I might have to run and do that tonight or tomorrow. Um, But anyway, Saturday's high is 32. High Hmm. is 32. The uh, Sunday high on Christmas Day will be 37. Can we? Can you believe Christmas Day? 
mm-hmm. is uh, one, two, three, four, five, da- four days away. It's supposed to be pretty windy and cold, too, right? Tomorrow, uh, f- well, according to this forecast, uh, Friday's the windy day mm-hmm. and uh, the cold comes in. Monday warms back up to uh, a balmy 41 degrees. Tuesday supposed to be in the upper 40s. Your um, bleak Christmas forecast, for your weather anyway, I hope your rest of your Christmas is not bleak, Although, you know, there's some people that would say it should be it should be frosty, at least, if it's not snowy. At least it would be frosty on Christmas Day. I bet my friend Tony Cannon at Greenwood Utilities is kind of liking it. It's good for business. Cold weather is good for business when you're selling selling electricity and selling, <laughs> selling gas. <laughs> gas. Uh, well, just make sure the electricity is working and uh, you got plenty of... Uh, Gas hooks up. If you don't have, uh, if you get, if you got logs, if you got a wood burning stove, you'll be the warmest of all. Uh, weather brought to you by our friends at Ironwood. Have you heard the news? Ironwood Golf and Country Club was voted best course in Greenville for the fourth year in a row. Ironwood boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, members-only full-service dining areas with monthly social events, a competition-sized swimming pool, and by the way, you can have the pool to yourself this weekend, and clay tennis courts making Ironwood the perfect place to make new traditions with your family and friends. Looking for the perfect gift? Ironwood has gift certificates available. Golf lessons, golf clubs, golf apparel, all kinds of good stuff at the pro shop. Uh, looking for the perfect gift for your family? Join Ironwood. No initiation fee. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle. You can still join in time for Christmas, 252-752-4653 to learn more. Uh, that would be a great Christmas gift. Speaking of golf. Yes, sir. <laughs> since, since we're a uh, dues and views station. Uh, no, um, did you see uh, Tiger Woods' son play any? Uh, you know, I saw the headline. I ha- I've seen... Not, not this recent time he played. I've seen him play before on TV and never in person. Yeah, but, I watched uh, the tapes. He, uh, but online. he is—he is quite the golfer. He, he has got an incredible swing. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he—he he almost looks like he's going to be better than Tiger was when Tiger came up. Well, I read an article that he said that Tiger told him to not mimic his swing, but mimic um, uh, the shorter guy. What's it? I mean, he's like an incredible driver. Um, I, I I don't watch golf like I used to. Um, he's a foreign foreign guy. He's, oh oh. Um, um, I'll think of a minute. Yeah, we're right on it. Yeah, I mean he's one of the longest drivers on tour, but uh, but he said mimic his swing with his balance. Did you see John Daly diving into the uh, alligator infested pond down? The <laughs> I thought you were going to say John Daly diving diving into the liquor cabinet. <laughs> Probably that too. Anyway, getting uh, getting off of uh, the liquor cabinet into uh, just the news. Just the News is reporting on the House Republicans gathering information on for a basically a counter report for what the January 6th committee is coming out with, that kangaroo court. But they have come across a trove of text messages and email messages showing House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office was directly involved in the creation and editing of the Capitol security plan that failed during the January 6, 2021 riot, and that uh, security officials later declared they had been denied again and again the resources needed to protect one of the nation's most important homes of democracy. Uh, you look at that, and uh, you, you wonder, uh, and I've already drawn my conclusions, a lot of listeners draw their own, but was this deliberate? Did they want to have things turn out exactly as they did, that we can blame Donald Trump 
And listen, there were, were there were some Trump supporters that went in, and this report, by the way, talks about that. There were some Trump supporters that that went over the top and uh, went into the uh, the Capitol and did things they shouldn't have, and they they've been. Frankly, they've been treated um, much, much worse than they should have been treated. Yeah, and I, to to label all of them as Trump supporters, I, I don't. No, believe no, no. That. I'm not saying yeah. they all were. I'm not by any means saying that. Yeah, I think there were a lot of just anti-government uh, anarchists oh, yeah. and yeah. nut jobs, really. Yeah. <laughs> that were and there. and the more we learn about this, you wonder about plants. Yeah, plants that the FBI put in there. The internal communications were made public uh, earlier today in a report compiled by Representative Rodney Davis, Jim Banks, Troy Niles, Jim Jordan, Kelly Armstrong that encompassed the results of months of investigations they did. The lawmakers were authorized by House Leader uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy to do their own probe. The report concludes the Capitol was left vulnerable on January the 6th as a result of failures by the Democrat leadership in the House and law enforcement leaders in the Capitol Police who allowed concerns about the optics of having armed officers and National Guardsmen visible to the public to override the need for enhanced security. Why would anybody think that? I mean, listen, well, well before that, Nancy Pelosi had put up fencing around the Capitol mm -hmm. well before that. Leadership and law enforcement failures within the U.S. Capitol left the complex vulnerable on January the 6th. The Democrat-led investigation of the House of Representatives uh, has said, however, they have disregarded those institutional failings that exposed the Capitol to violence that day, the report concluded. It also corroborated prior uh, reporting by Just the News that Capitol Police began receiving specific warnings in mid-December that there could be significant violence. Prior to the day, the U.S. Police... Um, the U.S. Capitol Police had obtained sufficient information from an array of channels to anticipate and prepare for the violence that occurred, the report noted. The report also did not sugarcoat the behavior of Trump supporters. But its most explosive revelations involved text and email messages showing that two key staffers in Pelosi's office attended regular meetings to discuss the security plan for the January 6th event dating back to early December 2020 and that Pelosi's top aide, even edited some of the plans. Most of those discussions and meetings excluded Republican lawmakers in the House. Then-Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving, who served on the Capitol Police Board by virtue of his position, succumbed to political pressure from the office of the Speaker, uh, Nancy Pelosi's office, and House Democrat leadership leading up to January 6th. The report said he coordinated closely with the Speaker and her staff and left Republicans out of important discussions related to security. After the devastating events of January 6th, when Pelosi forced Irving to resign, a staffer in the House Sergeant of Arms office sent a stinging email message to the Democrat leadership. And this is downright funny. Well, because it's so true. Uh, the staffer wrote, For the Speaker's knee-jerk reaction to yesterday's unprecedented event, and God knows how Congress lives for its knee-jerk reactions <laughs> and to hell with future consequences, to immediately call for your resignation after you have been denied again and again by appropriations for proper security outfitting of the Capitol, and I wrote several of those testimonies, dang it, and to blame you personally because our department was doing the best they could with what they had and our comparatively small department size and limited officer resources, and because other agencies stepped in to assist just a fraction too late, 
Again, for Congress to demand your resignation is spectacularly unjust, unfair, and unwarranted, the staffer wrote. This is not your fault or son's fault. Uh, I think son was the uh, head of the police. Yeah, he was head of Capitol Police, I think. Um, If anything, appropriations should be hung out to dry. The GOP report directly challenges the story Pelosi gave in February of 2021 that she had no power over Capitol Police or the security plan for January the 6th. Quote, documents provided by the House Sergeant of Arms show how then-House Sergeant at Arms Paul Irving carried out his duties in clear difference to the Speaker, her staff, and other Democrat staff. It noted the police's chief of staff, Terry McCullough, and other aides assigned to Pelosi's staff, Jamie Fleet One, uh, had, had, um, had regular contact, I think it's supposed to be had regular contact, with police and the sergeant at arms over security planning for January 6th starting in early December. Uh, Irving sent the draft to McCullough and Fleet and requested any edit comments. The report said McCullough responded shortly afterwards with edits. Um, officers of, on the front lines and an, an analyst in the United States Capitol Police Intelligence Division were undermined by misplaced priorities of their leadership. Those problems were exasper- exacerbated by the House Sergeant at Arms, who was distracted from giving full attention to the threat environment prior to January 6, 21, by several other upcoming events, the report said. Um, it, it, so, anyway, to make a long story short, Republicans in the House have now, I don't know how they uncovered them. I didn't see that in the story, but uh, they've gotten a hold of text messages and emails that uh, pretty much verify what Republicans have been saying all along, that Nancy Pelosi was, um, was it deliberate or was it uh, malfeasance? Was it inept, uh, ineptitude uh, or all the above? Well, I mean, she is responsible for capital security. I mean, the Sergeant of Arms reports to her office, I believe. And, you know, on January 6th, I I don't think Trump, um, certainly it's a monumental leap to say that Trump is responsible for it. Now, I think Trump should have come out and said something that day. Now, it wouldn't have done a thing. It it was already occurring. I mean, what? I mean, how's he going to get information to these people to say stop, you know? It, but for the pure optics, I think he should have came out earlier and said something on January 6th. But it was Pelosi. If Trump would have put troops and said, you know what, I'm going to put troops at the Capitol. Can you imagine the outrage from the left and from Pelosi saying that, ah, you know, Trump's a fascist. He's a yep. fascist. Yep. Yep. Um, it, it's I mean, it clearly rests at the feet of Nancy Pelosi and, and House leadership, and, you know, they did nothing about it. I really think part of it was intentional. I don't think they realized it might would have got out of hand as much as it did, but I, I think they thought, hey, we'll have some, we'll have a little bit of protest over here, and we'll have, we'll be able to say, hey, look at these crazy Trump supporters. I, I don't think they, I don't think they counted on, you know, someone breaking in, and, cool. It, it's uh, it, it's it's frustrating that uh, with the help of the mainstream media, the legacy media, they can pretty much put out what they want to put out. Uh, the legacy media runs with it, and uh, the American people who don't dig very deep, they're too uh, enthralled with um, uh, yeah, playing their games instead of informing and themselves. And they're still running with the vague references and narrative of of all the people that were killed that day on January oh, yeah. 6th. There was oh, one yeah. person killed, and a House security capital police shot her and yep. killed her. Yep. 
There you go. Mm. Stay with us. We'll be right back. On Dasher, on Dancer, on Prince. Oh, low power. What's wrong, Santa? I'm losing touch screen navigation. Oh, no. If I don't find a charging station, we won't be able to deliver the toys. Rely on our human power, and you'll find more time this holiday season. Maybe you shouldn't have replaced Rudolph with a fancy battery-powered EV sleigh. Biden made me buy this thing. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny, and this is Eastern Carolina's place to talk. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So, have you heard the story out of France, New York Post, and a few other media outlets? I think New York Post was the first uh, in the United States to share this interesting story. A French hospital was uh, partially evacuated Saturday after a senior citizen. This guy was in his 80s. I think it says he was of Iranian descent, I believe. Uh, I mean, and, and the first thing you say was, well, this guy a terrorist? But no, he's, he's in his 80s. I, I don't think he did this for terrorist activities. I think it, it was some perverse pleasure he got. <laughs> the 88-year-old patient visited Hospital St. Uh, I'm not sure how they pronounce it in France, Mizzou, um, to have an antique explosive removed from his rectum. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Two inches wide cylinder. I mean, it looked like a small little shell. Mm. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Two, <laughs> Two inches wide, eight inches long. And, uh, yeah, they, they saw it. And, uh, in fact, they showed a, uh, on the story on the New York Post, they showed an x-ray. This guy had it, I mean, it was up there. There's, there's so many places I could go that I will not go with this story. Uh, anyway, one of the doctors said, you know, we find a lot of strange things up there. Not in this guy, but in a, a bunch of... Uh, and he was 80? 88. 88. Yeah. So his, his, his hmm. wife was concerned. She thought he was just constipated. Whew. Well, she was. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that gets dropping a bomb a whole new medium. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, the doctors, the, one of the doctors said, well, we find apples, mangoes, cans of shaving cream even, but the first time we found now, something. Does it, like does it say how it got up there? He shot it up there. Mm. <laughs> he shot it up there. Mm. He must I, like I, the I, 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 mm. What kind of Christmas program wow. is this? Huh. Uh, yeah. According to the hospital, he's now in good health, expected to make a full recovery. Where did you find this report? It was on the New York Post. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it wasn't perverts are us or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know France. It is France. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oui, oui. <laughs> uh, Carolina Journal is reporting the North Carolina Supreme Court will hear oral arguments on February the 2nd in a case that could determine the future of felon voting in North Carolina. This will be the first oral arguments that the new court will hear, which now has a 5-2 Republican majority. 
you know, this has bounced back and forth from a bunch of lower courts. It never made it, it was never heard before the Supreme Court, but a bunch of lower courts. It kept uh, being decided right along party lines. Republicans um, wanted to keep the 1973 state law, and Democrats wanted to get rid of it. Now, what's interesting about this is Republican state lawmakers submitted a September 9th court filing. Uh, their argument says, on the merits, plaintiffs, they're the ones that wanted to get rid of, they, they wanted to, to allow felons to vote. On the merits, plaintiffs claimed that Section 13.1 was racially motivated, hinges upon trying Section 13.1 to racial animus that they contended surround the effort to add felon disenfranchisement to the North Carolina Constitution in 1876 and codified that policy in a statute in 1877, according to the legislator's belief. What plaintiffs cannot escape, however, is that the re-statute, the predecessor to Section 13.1, that the plaintiffs challenge was not amended in the 1870s, but rather retained the form it had taken in 1840 before African Americans had the right to vote. In other words, the plaintiffs are coming in and saying, this was based upon racist policy and it needs to be removed. And <laughs> the Republicans very wisely actually did their homework and said, wait a minute. I mean, first of all, why would you say it's racial animus? Why would you say this is racially motivated? I mean, are you saying that the only felons are blacks? I mean, there are, there are, exactly. there are plenty of white felons in there. But, but they, they go on to say, now, they're saying that this originated from racist, racial policies back in the 1800s because whites, didn't, whites who made the laws back then didn't want blacks to vote. Well, it's true, they, the blacks didn't vote, but this couldn't, I mean, the, the idea that felons couldn't vote, it, was, it, it had no issue with the blacks at the time, because the, the blacks couldn't vote anyway. So, the, the idea, I mean, this is... This is well, well, it's another case of Democrats today, if you disagree with them, they, they cannot bring up any kind of intellectual argument or bring an argument it all based comes on down to race. merit. It's all based on race. It's all everything is racial to them, and that and they they see color more than anyone else. Oh yeah, on every issue. Well, and again, I, I mean, look, they they come out and they say, well, you can't have voter ID because blacks don't have the ability to go get an ID. This is what they're saying. Yep. This is what liberals say, and we say that that's ridiculous and, and it's a racist comment to say that. And now they're saying. Well, you know, this not allowing felons to vote is racist. So, in other words, they're saying, okay, all felons are minorities. Our felons are blacks. What a racist comment that is. Mm. It sounds like something Joe Biden would say, like that time when he said, they put you back in chains. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Anyway, this will be, you know, it, it will, this will be the first test case to see how conservative the new conservative Supreme Court is. My hunch is that, um, uh, not allowing felons to vote in North Carolina. Now, I mean, you, can, you, you once once you've 
served your time, and basically it's equivalent to going back and reinstating your full citizenship. You can go back and vote, so it's not like you can never vote again. And you got but there make, is a process. Yes, yeah, process, and you got to make all financial. If it was any financial restitution you had to make, I think you have to make that before you. Yeah, that, that's part of it. Is you mm-hmm. had to make full financial restitution. We got to take another time out. Stay with us. I want to get to this uh, story out of the Epic Times National Publication talking about the North Carolina Governor's School. We'll get to that when we get back. This is North Pole Action News. Santa wins yet another term as leader of the North Pole, raising concerns of election rigging. Elves working in the factories threaten to strike and demand an extra five gumdrops an hour. Also, crypto continues its polar bear market. While you're enjoying your holidays, relax, take in nice holiday memories with the people that you love. We'll be here with the news when you need it. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Now back to news and views with Tom Lambright and Benny Hardy on Talk 96.3 at 103.7. Well, the truth of the matter is we will be here with the news through tomorrow. After that, we're gone. <laughs> we, we, uh, just a programming note, don't expect to hear news and views next week. We'll be spending Christmas time with our families. The Epic Times is reporting there has been a lawsuit filed after a North Carolina professor was fired for criticizing critical race theory in class at the North Carolina Governor's School. A former professor from the North Carolina Governor's School has filed a lawsuit against the institution after getting fired for speaking about the harms of critical race theory, theory CRT. Dr. David Phillips, who has spent eight summers teaching at the school, has spoken out against the increasing adoption of CRT in the institution. In June of 21, Phillips delivered three optional seminars critiquing CRT and highlighting the lack of viewpoint diversity in higher education. He was fired by officials in mid-session without any explanation. The lawsuit filed by Phillips on behalf, uh, behalf by, uh, on his behalf, I should say, by the Alliance Defending Freedom, great organization, nonprofit committed to protecting free speech, ADF senior counsel Hal Frampton slammed the school for ending Phillips' employment, and an academic environment committed to exploring a wide range of differing viewpoints as the governor's school claims to be, no teacher should be fired for offering a reasoned critique of critical theory. But that's what happened to Dr. Phillips, Frampton said. By firing him, the, schools, uh, the governor's schools violated his constitutional right to free speech and unlawfully retaliated against him for deviating from the school's ideological orthodoxy. CRT categorizes the population into groups of oppressors or oppressed. Whites are generally classified as oppressors, while people of other races and identities are grouped as the oppressed, demonizing a section of society. The ideology also extends the oppressor-oppressed dynamics to other spheres like sex and religion. So uh, Christians are the oppressors and atheists are the oppressed, apparently. You know, this is a... a, On one hand, it's a very sad commentary that we're having free speech squashed. But, you know, what's really interesting about this is this just proves how weak the left's arguments, how weak the woke ideology arguments are, that they don't want to debate it. If you say anything that goes against their narrative, they simply want to shut you up. Yeah, and you're seeing this 
around campuses. I mean, that's North Carolina Governor's School, I think, is a summer program for high school students. Isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. yeah, uh, but, yeah. You, but you're seeing this around campuses all over the university system, not only private colleges, but the university system oh, here yeah. in North Carolina. You've got uh, – well, how many speakers have just been censored? Yeah. And, just, and, and they, they, they censor them under the umbrella that this is for the students' safety. And we've talked about it before. I mean, we've had conservative – Conservative professors have reached out to me here in Greenville, and you know, say they're afraid to speak up uh, yep. about things that you know they they believe in because of of now they they'll be counseled, worry about their jobs, and it's it's like that all over America, really. Yeah, it's interesting, and we're not patting ourselves on the back, but it's not uncommon that we get people to contact us and say, "I agree with what you're saying. I work here. I work there." and it's usually some gov- government institution, I can't speak up because I'll get fired. Please keep the keep, keep the news and views going because uh, we need a voice out there. And again, I'm not patting ourselves on the back, but that's how bad it is. Interestingly, along with that, Washington Free Beacon is reporting the Biden administration is set to dole out more than $550,000 in grants to develop an artificial intelligence model that can automatically detect and suppress microaggressions on social media. Uh, the award funded through Biden's $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan was granted to researchers at a bunch of different universities. Um, and again, they say this is to protect online users from discriminatory language. Here's the problem. Protect online users from discriminatory language. Who decides what discriminatory language is? Yep. I mean, do you think if you go on there and start talking about the biblical definition of uh, marriage, is that going to be discrim- you know, is that discriminatory language? I think the answer is yes. I, I would I would more risk allowing all language and, and suppress yeah. any because, like you said, who decides? Well, who's, who's the arbiter of, li- of bad language? Let there be open and free debate, yep. and let let the listener make their own conclusions. Exactly. Hey, listen, be with us tomorrow. This is our last 2022 broadcast. We look forward to being with you at five o'clock tomorrow. See you then. Bye, bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.